They come from the bush, they come from the city To belt the blues just for fun From a man as a pub to a bar in the valley For King Wally and Artie once run This is Origin, and please, the game we love And we go back to where it all got started Two boys on the Caxton Street Hill Heroes and we love them all still. The stories of footy are here for everyone. Yeah, so welcome to Origin of the Series. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm never better. Well, actually, I have been uh, better because I've been battling with the uh, bubonic plague of the 21st century, COVID 19, but nearly all better now. But thank you. Good to hear. Good to hear. Look, we're um this this episode we're um we're featuring another origin story. We did the first one with Matt Condon. This one, or, origin stories two. We're lucky enough to have uh, Brad Beetson, who is the son of the legendary Arthur Beetson, uh, Fog Number One. Um, got a lot of stories, obviously, about his dad. A lot of pride in his dad, but he's also got a lot of. Um, a lot of his own own stories. So, welcome, Brad. Thanks for thanks for joining us. It's great to have you. Thanks, Jeff. Hello, Steve. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Brad. It's uh, very kind of you to uh, to join us. And um, boy, do we have <laughs> lots of ground that we could uh, cover here. Um, and l- as we said before, we we hit record. You know, I, I'd I'd love to talk about your dad for days, um, and and I'll I'll sort of dampen down my enthusiasm for doing that to a degree, but um, be warned, I will do it <laughs> and I won't be able to help myself. Um, so maybe uh, if, if you could just sort of walk us through, let's start with origin because that's where this sort of intersects with uh, with real life. Um, you you were, uh, how old were you when your dad played that first uh, origin game? 14, I think. Mm. Right, yeah. So um, uh, what, what was Hundred and fifty thousand other Queenslanders that were there that night. <laughs> were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're just. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was. I've been to a lot of games, but yeah, I was only young, so I'm pretty sure I was there. Yeah, well, the first, well, we, first we, game we, I went we, to see was '77 when he was playing for New South Wales. Actually, so. yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, okay. yeah let's let's, <laughs> let's skip over that as yeah. best we can. Um, we we were there, um, and apparently with about seven hundred and fifty thousand yeah, other everyone everyone was that, there, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> that, that claims <laughs> to be. There. I remember the cheer when Dad walked out and when Artie walked out. You know. Like, yeah, oh, that's what yeah. they all say. You know, they reckon even Wally Lewis used to say that was the loudest noise he's ever heard is when <laughs> Dad walked out on the field. So, and he had yeah, well, yeah. It, it, it was, it, it was the, 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 the old talcum powder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. Dusting himself uh, down yeah. with the with the old powder, the old ankle boots up to somewhere up his <laughs> shins. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was some moment, and do you know, as, as cliched as it has become now to talk about that moment, it is imprinted in my mind. You know, we were mm. um, we were sort of directly opposite from um, from where the players emerged from the from the old stand, and the image of your dad leading out the Queensland team is, you know, it's in my mind like it was only recently. 
Um, maybe because it's I see it on the on the telly all the time, but yeah. um, you know it's a, it was a big moment for us. So uh, tell us about uh, Origin for you. What, what sort of impact did it have? Was it a big deal to you? Well, I think like as a young fellow, I wasn't obviously like embedded in rugby league. But as I got older, you know, I got more understanding of what Origin sort of is to the game and what it's become. Like I say, obviously it's like, it's like Melbourne Cup of. It's become an Australian event, you know, one of the events of the year in our sporting calendar. So, um, and obviously, you know, what it meant to Queensland Rugby League in general, like as to, I think Dad understood, he said to me, and, and I obviously listened to Choppy and William and those guys talk about how he, you know, he got that point across to those guys that they had to win that game for this thing to be taken seriously. Mm. You know, because there was a concept that New South Wales weren't taken seriously. Yeah, and, um, that was the big surprise, wasn't it? That was the big, and as we talk about, you know, there's that side of your dad prowling down the sideline at the, the start, walking onto the field, and you went, with hindsight now, you go, yeah, they were taking that deadly seriously, and it wasn't yeah. a novelty game, and um, and it was, and it was, it was, it was game on. Um, yeah, well, dad would be playing marbles, mate, and he'd like knock you over because he hated losing <laughs> anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing squash in there, mate, and. Get in front of him, and I had a few good bruises by the end of the day from him whacking the ball on me because I was getting in his way. <laughs> he just hated losing at anything. <laughs> he had, uh, he had. Uh, here's the first of many sort of uh, compliments to come. But um, he had. <laughs> uh, now this isn't actually footy related. This is sort of life related. Uh, in in my opinion, and I never met the man. Unfortunately, I was too afraid to uh, go and introduce myself the couple of times I was in the same room as him. Um, he had quite a, a an ability to understand the uh, the mood of people, uh, and you know he, he always seemed to have the the right understanding of what's going on from the perspective of the the public. He he never to me he never seemed like he was representing the administrators or the sort of the the footy elite. He always seemed to be talking on behalf of me. Um, and you know, I, I, his his understanding of origin before it started was acutely aware of how this would play with the Queensland public. In my mm. opinion, I don't know. What, well, am I, I, am I no, something, no, or am I no thinking of this with rose tinted glasses? No, no coincidence that uh, Senator Ron McAuliffe called him first. You know, when he yeah he sort of come up with the state of origin, he called him and John McDonald because he knew they were the guys he needed to get that with the you know with the the pool and um, like Dad is the sort of guy like I know you certain people have an aura about mm-hmm. him and he was one, one of those blokes you know he's just like a special human being because he was a mm. highly intelligent fellow he never really got credit for being intelligent and like you were saying like he really just knew people really well and he had a very humble guy that was always willing to talk to people and I suppose that's sort of part of his you know that why people love him so much because he is sort of such a humble person and, and like because he was so good too you know like didn't have a big head, you know what I mean? So, no. And it's interesting well, that, thing is, so I was, yeah, sorry, Steve. And I don't know too if if, this, if I'm reading too much into it, but that humility um, seems to have flowed through Queensland sides when they can win eight in a row, eight series in a row, and it's still that. It's they're not they're not they're not starting to talk about dynasties and building statues to themselves like the Blues do if they win two games. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, it's, it just feels like it's just it's just inbuilt, and I don't know. It, it, I, was, I was going to ask, it's 
you know, this idea where we always say the Blues don't get that Queensland that Queensland thing, and if, and which is kind of good. But it's it, it, it comes it, from it, years of us being beaten by right. Queenslanders. You know what I mean? Playing for New South Wales and us getting beaten year after year with state games and that, and and I think that's where it all sort of that hatred, sort of the big brother, you know, sort of thing. We always sort of looked down as a small cousin. So. And so it was did, a big. Did Dad ever talk about that? Like, did he talk about what it was like to be playing for the Blues against against Queensland? Oh, not really, no. But like I said, he took me one of the first games, well, of rep games I went and actually saw was him playing for New South Wales. And I don't know, it always seemed like the Queensland blokes were more friendly anyway in the dressing room and that. I, yeah. That's something I, I, I won't mention names or anything or people, but yeah, I much prefer like an. The, the Queensland guys like Dad, uh, you know, the legends like Choppy and Gene Miles and even like uh, Colin Scott and all those guys are such humble fellows. You know what I mean? There's just such passion for that game, and and when you think about it, though, how what a um, piece of history for them to be involved in. You know, to start something that's become the monster that it is now, State of Origin. So, you know, it's just like it's an Australian event. It's just not a rugby league event. It's a social. It's a it's it's a, it's like a sociological experiment origin, isn't it? It's just like a <laughs> it's just you just can't explain why. It brings the West and the worst out of people. <laughs> oh, I, I, I always say I still get nervous watching games on replays that I know we won. You know, <laughs> I think the Blues are still going to come back and, and do something like you know, call cattle dog or something like you know. So. <laughs> So, um, Brad, the, um, the one of the main sort of areas that we want to uh, get into today, if uh, if you don't mind, is I, I was saying to you earlier before we again before we press record, it, it is to my great I don't know um, I don't know if shame's the right word, but certainly acknowledges my ignorance that there were there were guys playing for Queensland. I just wanted them to play for Queensland. I, I just wanted them to. Uh, to turn up and play well, um, and there were a load of Indigenous guys playing uh, that I I'd had no, I wasn't aware of their cultural background. I, I wasn't aware that I should be aware of their cultural background. I think that's probably sign of the times. Um, but it turns out that you know a lot of these guys that uh, that I revered on the footy field uh, come from an Indigenous um, background, and I, I really would love to understand. From from their perspective, or from the indigenous community's perspective, how was Origin uh, seen? Was was that a big uh, deal? Were the guys um, from the indigenous communities playing for Queensland? Were were they seen as positives for, um, or you know, good role models for the young fellas? You know, what what was the view from uh, from their perspective? Well, definitely. Yeah, definite role models, mate. You know, like obviously a lot of them come from the bush or you know, far north communities or rural remote communities and small communities. It just proves like they're, you know, obviously like a lot of Indigenous communities, like the top 10 um, poorest communities in Australia are all Indigenous. So, mm-hmm. And there's been mm-hmm. quite a few footballers come from those, like Sal and Cobbo from Sherberg, like that's three hours from Brisbane and I think it's just one of the poorest, it's in the top 10 Poorest, so you know, for those you go to Sherberg, it's just such a rugby league 
town. They just like they live and breathe it out there, you know. And to see some of their own, like Selwyn and like Steve Renouche from Mergen, but his family's from Cherbourg, mm. sort of thing like that. Just like for those guys to, you know, just there's kids out, you know, in all those places that just dream of being like an Arthur Beetson or a Jonathan Thurston or a Selwyn Cobbo. You know, I know I was up at um, Hope, Hope Vale. So actually we get to do the Arties and Mortals. You can talk about that later mm. on. But, yeah, we get to go up and in the communities and do stuff. For, <coughs> excuse me. And you're just kidding. There was a kid up there. He's actually called Selwyn Cobbo. So, oh. so you know, a young boy. So they named him yeah. after Selwyn. That's, so, I mean, that's a young so, too. So, yeah. So that's sort of. Tells you what it means to Indigenous people, mate. And it's an opportunity for them to compete on a level playing field, obviously, back in the day. You know what I mean? Back when there was like, it was like a racist and apartheid system where, like, an Indigenous person, if it was light skinned, he was told not to tell anyone he was black. Mm. You know I mean, you, you get a white card in the 50s. If you're a good black yeah. guy, they give you yeah. a white card and you could actually live in white society, but you had to disown your, your whole family as part of that process so you know you can imagine how hard it was for guys to make it in league out in the west and you know i i think that's the point brad i don't think i can imagine i i you know it you and i were texting recently and um you reminded me that your dad had played for australia before he was allowed to vote Oh, I think it was no sixty nine. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, pretty close. But also, like the the constitution had changed, and Indigenous people weren't still classed as citizens of Australia. So when he was playing for Australia, so they actually, I think it was former plants and former or something they were class number. So that's amazing, isn't it? When you're thinking like they've already died for their country and in wars and all that sort of thing, and you know. It's, Quite like, look, that's where we are now. I don't want to get down the, it's not a talking about Indigenous politics and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, obviously, like, as we said, Dad was a role model and he proved for people, I suppose, that there is an opportunity for you to excel and, and, and make it in life. And, you know, he, and one, as, a, as a late older man, he, he spent a lot of time looking as a talent scout, trying to find more more people mm. like him to try and give them an opportunity. We had the likes of, like, you know, David Peachy and Dean Witters and, Joey Williams and uh, Justin Hodges and all these guys lived with us over the years. His dad took them in and tried to make their path a bit easier to the NRL because Indigenous people do struggle when they're away from their families. Yeah, yeah, so when they're off country. They got, they, got that, they got that tight community in those places. So, Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a credit that he, that he did that um, – for those younger players, because nobody probably did that for him, I wouldn't imagine. There would have been, you know, he was like, like he went down to he went down to Sydney and he, you know, was playing for you know, Belmain and then and the Roosters and um, and he didn't. You know, I don't know. I mean, I obviously don't know if he if he struggled with that being being away from away from home. Um, but he's like he was actually he was in a boarding when he first went to Ratcliffe, he lived in a boarding house which was near the, the Ratcliffe Flight, not far from the Morton Bay Hotel, which he later bought and ran mm. later on. <laughs> but he actually lived there. Him and Kevin Yowie were put yep. there together and then obviously him and Kevin in sixty six went down to Balmain and played for Balmain. So you know, and it was sort of like the the rest of his history. Like he only played, I think. Was only nine games or something before he got picked for Australia. So that says something about the talent, you know, the man. That's where the half a game Artie came in because he set up two tries before game was won at half time. So half a game Artie. So he only played half a game, game over. 
So. Yeah, I, I remember that in the in the mid seventies when um, you know the papers and the, and the newspaper uh, and the uh, news coverage would refer to your dad as half a game Marty, and the answer would always be from everyone listening, yeah, but it was a pretty bloody good half a game, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> usually, usually that would be the deciding half. Yeah. No, he was very like very talented. Like I said, at football, but he was talented with a lot of things, tennis and. He'd like pool. I'm pretty sure like he beat anyone at pool <laughs> and darts yeah. and all that sort of stuff. He, was, you know, he won the uh, squash players competition for Sydney Rugby League one year. So all the players, all their best players, sort of went and played, and he beat everyone. So. And his um, uh, his impact on the um, indigenous communities would continue long after he had stopped playing footy. So. Um, if you can talk us through the the many areas that he has uh, touched in uh, the indigenous community, including the um, the uh, future immortals, like obviously, like as a scout and a coach, I suppose, like as as a coach, he started after playing coaching and that, and then being part of recruitment, and obviously, like I wouldn't say he favoured indigenous people, but obviously, he did like go to a lot of carnivals. And obviously, the talent and young people he was. And I suppose being who he was would have influenced them to want to go with him as well, I suppose. So, you know, yeah. like the Nathan Blacklocks and all those guys, sort of, they all idolised Dad and they still do today. You know what I mean? And um, mm. also, like, Rolls as an ambassador. He was an employment ambassador for Indigenous people. Obviously, he got AOM and, and all that sort of stuff. And he's uh, won a deadly award as well for sports, like being the best Indigenous mm-hmm. sportsman and things like that. But also... Obviously, like the doors that he opened, just using his name and what he achieved for us, like starting the foundation after he passed, and like where he was the ambassador of the first Murray Carnival, which has now become probably one of the biggest rugby league events in Queensland. Runs for eight days now down in Redcliffe or North Point, depending on it was, and we have over a hundred sides, and generally you know, about three or four thousand competitors come from all over Queensland to play in that. And through that carnival, they have health checks. They have a, a special health check for the Indigenous people because obviously we struggle with heart problems and, like, obviously Dad mm. died early. It was a heart attack and that runs in our family and runs a lot of Indigenous people you know, heart problems and stuff like that. So everyone's tested to play in that carnival. Plus the kids have to have 90% attendance at school and all that to play in it as well. So to make them the state teams and that because we do state teams and we've done tours and guys like David Vafita and Brendan, you know, Reuben, Reuben Cotter and all these guys have been on these tours and been part of the carnival and, you know, and like they all look, I looked up to Dad as well as one of the heroes and, you know, and, and all those, you know, be able to create those events and stuff. Like we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for what Dad achieved as a footballer and as a man. So. Yeah, and I think you're being uh, extremely modest here, Brad, because this is sort of a, a good segue into your own um heavy involvement uh, and heavy um, commitment and input into uh, in, into all of the areas that we've we've been talking about footy in in general indigenous uh, support and um, uh, facilitating pathways for them I, I mean you know googling your name brings <laughs> brings up hundreds of different threads to uh, to follow um, mm. So, like I say, man, I wouldn't, I'd never be able to do those things if it wasn't for what Dad started. So, I know, I'm, like, as a young man, I like, 
I suppose like it was probably too much for me growing up being his son. You know what I mean? And as soon as you tell him your name, oh, you're Artie's son. Like I lived with that yeah. for a long time and found it very hard to deal with. So I sort of rebelled against that and probably wasn't until I got a bit older and you know, get married and that, and then you realise that it's actually something to be very proud of, what he's achieved. And I used to think like he cast a big shadow and it was really hard to get out of it. But now I think of it as like he, he shines a big light for me and I just he's opened all the doors. It's up for me. It's what I tell other kids, you know, you got to walk. People will open the doors for you, but you got to walk through them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that, as Dad said, he's opened a lot of doors for me, but I've still got to walk through them. And I've been lucky enough um, through, you know, what Dad did and that to meet a lot of really good people that have helped me achieve these sort of things. And they've seen the benefit in it as well. You know what I mean? Like people that have, like, you know, you've got the Artie program that Gene, Gene Miles and the Fogs run, which deals mm-hmm. with um, you know, achieving results through Indigenous education. And, that, and that's, um, you know, the kids are all, they get incentives to stay at school and, and achieve, you know, good marks and all that sort of thing, you know, and that's sort of, they did that. Obviously, Gene named that after Dad because he thought so much of Dad. And, I mean, and obviously with the carnival when we get to do these things, you know, it's a, it's a big legacy that he's created. And as sons, like all my brothers are involved in it as well, and we're really proud. You should add, like, Christian, he works for New South Wales Rugby League. He, he's, <laughs> you get plenty of good band if he's on here, get him on here. Talk about Queensland with him, but yeah, like and doing the Immortals, and we get to go up to Cape York and taking a lot of these ex NRL players and Petro's involved in that heavily, and um, doing you know video links to kids and trying to keep them in school, Indigenous kids, because they really battle with education up up in the Cape. Yeah, yeah, it it is an incredible, incredible legacy, and you can trace it back to Artie, can't you? Like you see Jonathan Thurston on bus backs and so on, you go what. What would have happened if Origin didn't happen? If if they yeah, didn't win exactly. that first game, you know, like yeah. it's it's it is amazing. It's it, it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing, um, and it's it's it's. I don't know if you could say it's led a, a, a kind of a more open minded society, particularly in Queensland. But um, I, I I I would say it has, and um, I think uh, as we were talking earlier again uh, about when. Both Steve and I, and I'm the same as Steve, I just went, I didn't actually think about whether players were Indigenous or not or and when it came to, to, came to footy. Um, and and I, I think that's the same too with particularly country kids growing up because you just grow up with, it's all kids playing footy. Um, mm-hmm. It might be a different experience in the city because we didn't have as many Indigenous blokes, um, particularly young, young kids running around. But, um, yeah, to think that... Um, Think what your dad started in in 1980. Um, if that didn't didn't occur, would it have happened, or would it have taken a lot longer? I mean, who knows? But it's a, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, look, who knows? Did that start the? I suppose the concept of the NRL and all that sort of thing that came from there. I suppose I don't know. And like, I suppose when you're as good as dad or like Jonathan Thurston's guys like that, it wouldn't matter whether you're black, white, or brindle. You know what I mean? Kids are going to follow you and support you. You know, they don't care. Like you said, kids just don't care. They just got their heroes and like, they're innocent. They're not touched by politics or, you know, it's a learnt behaviour, racism. So, Yeah, so let, let, let's just uh, talk about that for a second. And just, you know, as far as your dad breaking through, you know, sheer talent was was more than the uh, the the anchor of racism mm. around his uh, around his ankle in my opinion um 
So you know he was he was so good he was going to break through. But what's the what is it like now compared to you know when uh, Brad you you and Jeff and I are all about the same age compared to when we were young fellas? Has the situation improved um, in terms of the um, the detrimental effect of that sort of uh, racism legacy? Well, it's it's probably different nowadays, you know, because obviously Indigenous people, there's a lot more educated people mm-hmm. now and a more understanding of, you know, the, the, the past history, I suppose, and, and and we're different, you know what I mean? Like the older generation was a bit like myself, I suppose, where you just get on with the job, you know what I mean? Like move forward and like people just sort of did what they had to do to get by, but now everyone's more informed and... All those sort of things. So I suppose like going on, you talk about that, you know, the vote that we just had and all that, and like, and it was meant a lot to a lot of Indigenous people. And um, you know, but you suppose you think the positive of that was nearly thirty percent of Australians voted for the vote. So yeah. white yeah. Australians, you know, so it's not far away from being fifty percent. Like, and, and it's that vote was well, we shouldn't be talking politics, I suppose, but it was poorly done. No, no, that's okay. That's what this you know what I mean? shows for. Poorly, we, we can open poorly up all those doors. You know, poorly sold yeah. to the people, and you know, and um, yeah, like there's a lot more. My like my cousin, like she's got a master's in Indigenous studies, and she gets like she makes really good coin, and you know, like education, like we can try sport, and a lot of us think, you know, that like sport is the, the key, but education is the key to all you know, solving all our problems. You know, with black people and white people, like trying to, because the true history is not told in schools and all that sort of thing. And until you sort of start that, and everyone gets an understanding of what actually happened in the past. You know, like the, um, mm. you know, the, the atrocities and stuff like that that did happen. A lot of kids don't, people yeah. don't know that. So that's probably might give them a different understanding of how it all is. You know, so. And I'm and like I'm, I, I I've had a pretty good life. You know, I can't speak to those really by experience. I have, like, I have um, actually felt some racism in my life a couple of times, both both ways actually. You know, like being a, a white black fella, so to speak. You know, I've had it from my own mm. mob, and also I've you know, felt it because I am actually very proud of my heritage. And and you know, obviously, my grandmother was taken to Sherberg as part of the Stolen Generation, and her sister, and so our family's sort of been pretty disjointed, and that's what happened to a lot of people. So everyone's battling that sort of history. And and how the sorry, it's um, I was going to say with 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 your with your background. I mean, you 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 um, you go back on country. You know you know where you're from, and um, yeah. yeah, and it's so that's my, my uncle, dad's brother, Pedro. They like, sort of like I said, I was obviously single mother, born to a black man, so. The old man kicked her out and says, so I was sent out to, to Roma to be brought up by the grandparents. And um and, and obviously all the rest of the family, uncles and aunties, they all brought me up as well and um and very close to my uncle Pedro, dad's brother, and he sort of taught me a lot of the family tree and all that sort of thing. And you know, I know we're like we're sort of cubby cubby people, which is here on the Sunshine Coast as well in, in Wiradjuri, where my grandfather comes from down Bruwarma. There's a lot of yeah. beatsons a lot of beatsons down around that area, around Mudgee and Rewarner and England and that, so I so got an idea of who we're related to and that, and obviously a lot of mob want to be related to Artie. So. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, everyone's very thing. proud to be related to Dad, so which you you know I understand totally. Um, yeah, 
so that, it, it, um, it's it's um, and 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 your dad too. Like it was, he was he was proud of his. He's obviously proud of his um, of his background and how how connected was he to his his culture and his and his people and his and his. Country. Well, I wouldn't say he was highly connected to culture, but he was very connected to his people. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Like he, yeah. everyone, like dad. That was a good thing about dad. He had time for everyone. You know, as mm. a child, it was a bit frustrating to me sometimes. Like you'd be sitting there, where would be having lunch or something at an RSL club or something, and a couple of Indigenous people would come over, and or just anyone would come over and start chatting to him, and you know, he had time. Like it didn't didn't suffer fools very well, but um, but if you had a like a, an intelligent conversation, were respectful, and that he'd sit there and talk to you about stuff, you know, whether it be football or where you're from, or and he had a, he actually had an amazing memory. With people, faces and names. Like he, I don't know whether he used to ask people when he seen him coming over what their name was or something, but he just seemed to remember everyone's. So it's pretty uncanny. Yeah, actually. Cool. It felt like he was above a lot of things. Like that. I was going to say, I mean, how did he deal with racism? But did you feel like he was kind of a, a yeah? Of I don't think he, he wasn't really. Well, you can say he wasn't a political creature, but he was because like there's there's not too many blokes that turn down Australian jerseys because. You know, he thought the, the the selection process he should should have been picked the first time, and you know, yeah. I can't remember whether that was seventy four or seventy three or something. He got left out, and then someone pulled out through injury, and then they picked him to play. And he said, "No, I'm right. I, I should have been picked the first time." And he turned it down. So, and there was, yeah, I think it was in the state of origin, he was going to play in that second state of origin game in eighty one, and he played the first two state games, and then he got man of the match in the. Second game, and they, I think they told him that he wouldn't get selected for Australia, you know, because he said he'd still be available to play for Australia at 36 years of age, or whatever it was. Mm. And they said he wouldn't get picked. And he said, Well, what's the point of playing? I'll just coach and let someone who yeah. can, you know, who, who can you know, get picked. So he was, you know, he's obviously he stood up for what he believed in, put it that way, you know, and, and obviously he was a leader for our people, and you know. I keep saying, going back to it, you know, he's a real role model. I'm really proud of what he achieved and I'm pretty proud of what I've been able to do, I suppose, on the back of what he did, you know, and my brothers are the same. And, like, I always say to people, the greatest gift he gave me was a love for rugby league, you know, because there's mm. so many good people in rugby league and, as you guys know, you know, just it's great fraternity. So just just on that subject, Brad, the um, the QRL has the um, Indigenous Advisory Committee, of which yeah. you're still a part. You're, I you're am, still yeah. connected. I am. What, yeah. what, talk us through the 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 function that that committee serves. Oh, well, we'd probably like to do a lot more than what we do. You know, we're just like an advisory board to indict and advise on Indigenous policy, and um, we've been creating. There's been a template being creating at the moment about racism in, in, the, in the game, sort of thing, and how mm. to deal with it, and just some of the processes around uh, suspension and just making sure, like, if there's a racial vilification sort of thing, that Indigenous people are fairly represented on boards and stuff like that sort of thing. And, you know, you, when you go to a suspension hearing and things like that, making sure there's a identified person there and, you know, just yeah. so they feel more comfortable and uh, they're not feeling like, obviously, you know, because there's always the... You know, white man sort of telling the black fellow what to do, well, sort of thing. So, so they get that safe environment, don't you? Culturally yeah, safe. Yeah, that's so they feel culturally you know, secure and and, and re- that they're going to get a fair trial, basically. You know, yeah. whether it be, I know, cause, and sometimes like there's a process. Like I suppose the rugby league, a lot of the times we don't know the rules properly, 
a lot, and that's not just it's everyone, you know, in the process of how things are, and that's up to clubs to probably tell that, you know, tell that to their players because, you know, there's a process of how you lodge claims and of vilification and things like that on the field and the way it happens. But, you know, obviously, I think I'm there with Eddie Monet, who He's the chair of our board and he's a very passionate um, Torres Strait man. Eddie, and he's a, you know, he's a, a really good leader. He's somewhere I looked up to and, and he's like, he does stuff with the, um, he's on the Australian Indigenous board as well. Eddie and... Mm. Um, yeah, just I'm actually we've got a tournament coming up next Friday here at Nambour, Indigenous Carnival I'm running. Yeah, for the Indigenous club I started up here called the Bunyards and the Bunyards is a it's a totem of the Cubby Cubby people and that's what our, our yeah. club's called. We've got eleven sides coming here from all over. We've got a couple from Sydney and Sherberg and Toowoomba and Cunnamulla. And it is the I was gonna bring this subject up because I, I, I read with great interest what you had done with the, the club in Nambour. Is it exclusively indigenous blokes um playing? Well for that the club? Car- that carnival is, yeah, that's an indigenous carnival. And um like I was president of the Nambour Footy Club for three three years and I've been president of Maruchador and you know, so like I'm, I said, I'm really ingrained in rugby league and love the game and like being part of it. And my son plays A grade now and has aspirations to play Q Cup and Maybe go a bit better. He's 20, 21 year old, so big boy. He's six foot six, my young bloke. So he's a big lad. Yeah. So. You might be interested to know, Brad, and you, you probably do know this, but um, I, <laughs> I was in contact uh, in preparation for, for talking about this subject. I, I, I was in contact with Reconciliation Australia, just trying to mm-hmm. get some ideas for directions to, uh, to head in. Two of the directions that they suggested for me were to um, talk to. Um, uh, uh, talk to Sunshine Coast Bunyas uh, Indigenous Rugby League Club and yeah. to talk to the QRL because of the work that the, uh, your Indigenous Advisory Committee is doing. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's on the radar. It's having a, 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 an impact and it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I'm sure you're aware of that, but it was great to see that um, for me that, that the 40 is helping to drive change and well, you know, it gives me a nice warm yeah. feeling that something that I'm so passionate about is having an impact. Well, like I said before, like rugby league is probably one of the first games where you know, Indigenous people got to compete on an even level with white people, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, back in the 50s and 60s and all that sort of thing, you know. So because if, if you're talented enough, they the, the – uh, you know, the drive to win was more than <laughs> the um, you know, racism. They, they, they'd rather win than, you know, to, to carry that. And, you know, like I said most people, if you're a good bloke and all that, they don't care whether you're black, white or brindle. You know what I mean? Like, just, no. Well, wh- wh- why would they? It was I interesting in when we were talking to um, to Tony Curry there a few weeks ago. Um, he, uh, We were asking him about um, the, the, I think, the fact that Queensland – has selected more uh, indigenous blokes than New South Wales. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's certainly it's probably the, pretty close. There's parties, actually like yeah. quite a few blokes that have found out later on in life that they actually have indigenous heritage and stuff. Right. Blokes that have played for New but, South Wales. And- Tony Tony made the point um, that I hadn't thought of before, which I, I've thought of many times since, which is that one of the reasons Queensland uh, selects the indigenous blokes is because they tend to be more attacking footy players. Um, that right. uh, that their 
um, their natural inclination is is to attack rather than defend, and mm-hmm. they are more likely to score points than um, uh, than others. And you know, I had never thought of that before. Well, I think but a, of lot course, of, a lot of them are not afraid to fail. Right. That's it. Okay. I, I totally agree. I, I brought that up because what what we generally do as part of this, Brad, is we go through the game of of of, the, of that of that series. And quite often you'll see, particularly like there are things like um, Dale Shearer trying little things, like and and those kicks from scrums that mm-hmm. that resulted. Remember that try that Shearer scored from a kick from the scrum that Cole Scott put through. And I then don't New think South Dale South doesn't Australia. get the credit, mate. Bring him Dale Shearer. He doesn't get the credit for how good he was, Dale Shearer. Oh, I'm, I'm convinced you're right. He's one of the no, most I... talented footy players I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um and 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 then. You saw Queensland do that, and then New South Wales would, tr- would eventually try to copy it. But you go, it was just that. It is just that natural. You talk about Selwyn Cobo. You go, mm-hmm. these guys, these guys, and I don't know if this is true because I, I wouldn't know. But you go, you go, football is 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 their is their outlet, and this is this is their chance to 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 to, to do something. Um, in the world, and they're, they're not I think scared. A lot, a lot of them battle. wouldn't wouldn't play any different if they were playing at home at Sherberg, so on. You know, that's a player yes. for Queensland. You know what I mean? That's just it's in his blood. You know the way. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I always thought, yeah. particularly to that that eight dynasty, the dynasty, the eight in a row, whatever it was. You go, you get the feeling, and I know that it wasn't it wasn't just Thurston and English, and there, there was you know there was um, you know there was Cameron Smith might have something to do it, and Billy Slater. But it felt like yeah. they were playing in the backyard, don't you reckon? That is oh, yeah. just playing it's, football. Just playing footy. Well, it's pretty lucky when you think about it. A lot of those guys probably came up playing junior reps together and yep. you know, they've probably been playing for Queensland for, since they were kids, some of them. So. That's it. So it's a bit of, it's, it's not exclusively that, but I just got the feeling they've played more naturally with Flair. They're, as you say, they're going to do it anyway. And occasionally they make mistakes. Sometimes you, you're watching the Broncos and you see Selwyn make a mistake. Yeah, you oh, you bloody idiot. And you go, well... Who cares? Like it, it, they they pull up those moments. They do something brilliant. brilliant, you know. I can oh. remember like we like we we did a couple of Queensland tours like overseas. Took men's sides to America and New Zealand and Fiji. Um, I can remember playing a young fellow named Marlon Dakes. Played cup for Eccles. He was a t- very talented footballer, Marlon. But I can remember they kicking off in the second yeah. half and he was playing fullback. He caught the ball. As they come up and just chip kicked and then caught it and just scored under the pace, man. That was off the kickoff. Mm. You, know, mm. like, mm. you know, not many people do that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? So uh, you always got to make a few mistakes, but um, that, that's the stuff you remember. Yeah, this, this is the stuff that uh, Tony Curry referred to as black magic. Yeah. And um, yeah. when when he when he said that, I went, uh, okay, right. Well, I've got my usual white man fear of using those words, so I can't. <laughs> but but he can, and I'm glad yeah. he did because he's right. <laughs> as long as I don't point the bone at you, mate, you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Brad, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the Arthur Beach and Arthur Beats and Future Immortals. What's yep. the uh, what's the sort of the concept behind that? Where, you know, what, what's the what's the role that that? Well, it's probably plays? like twofold. You know, I mean, obviously, continuing Dad's legacy and like getting into the, the remote communities and trying to you know, spread the game of rugby. Using probably using rugby league as a vehicle to just bring a bit of light and join the people's lives and 
and also mm. going to the going to the schools and just talk to the indigenous kids and all the kids, not just indigenous, but you know, obviously you go to the remote communities, it's mainly indigenous. And it also serves as a vehicle for a lot of ex footballers that, you know, once they're out of the game they struggle mentally and was they're taken out of that environment that's like nowadays it's not a real environment. You know, the life they live, everything's done for them and it's yeah. all about their team and they don't do anything for themselves and all of a sudden they you know, you come out of that being a world star sort of thing and a world beater and then you've got real life and got to go to work mm. and they expect you to be as good at that as you are in football and not all of them are. So they sort of struggle mentally. So to give them the opportunity to be part of that team environment again and, you know, and be even, you know, like people coming up and getting their autographs and all that sort of thing and giving them a taste of their past glories, I suppose, and... But they're getting the opportunity to use what they achieve to help people as well. So, it's like mm. to me, it's a it's a win win situation. And like, obviously, we've got clubs on board that help us, the Roosters and Dolphins and stuff like that. They're supporting us, and um, uh, you know, all the local councils up north and things like that. They help bring it on. So it's more than just you know, rugby league going and have a game. What we're in the communities and you know, getting to the elders and talking to the elders and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, you. Um, when you and I were texting the other day, um, I mentioned to you that the future models had played at the um, Memorial yes. Day for yeah. um, Matthew Arnold and Rachel McCrow. Now, yeah. I, um, now I, I should say that I have spoken to Matthew's father, who's a, a very close friend of mine and, and of Jeff's, um, mm. and uh, I, I mentioned to him... Uh, he's he's a, a big listener of the pod, and okay. um, and yeah. I was checking with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he very kindly gives me uh, yeah. gives me input on on the podcast. No, I, I mentioned I, bri- that, I briefly met him at the at the game. I think right. Yeah, um, I, I told him that you were appearing on the on the show, and um, he 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 made a point of asking me to mention just um, how. Um, uh, how overwhelmed the family was by the support um, and by the support of uh, all of the players making themselves available for uh, for the day. It really meant a lot to them. So on behalf of um, the family, thanks very much. Well, that's, we've actually been partnering with the, like the, as the foundation with the police force for quite a while and quite a few events and, you know, obviously... No one, you know, everyone should come home from work. You know what I mean? You should never mm, like your yeah. job. So, very sad day. And we actually were involved in a, in a event out at Chinchilla last year around there, so, mm. in the area. So, just with the police force again out there. So, trying to raise money for the, the other family, the Dare family. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's amazing the, um, this is another one of these things that I find very humbling about um, footy and, and it makes me feel so warm about uh, the, the game and the community in rugby league that um, the, the sort of the connection to real people is always seems to be much much stronger, much more much more real. I don't know, I can't think of the right words to describe that, but you know, there is a, a genuine connection with community that uh, that is, is such a such a positive for for rugby league that I think many other games just don't have. Oh, no, yeah, totally, I, I agree. Totally. I think it, I think it. And look, you know, it, it's a bit of a stereotype, but I do think it comes from that working class background. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Steve and I often talk, Brad, about going to Lang Park on Saturday afternoon for the Saturday afternoon game and seeing guys like, I remember I was a big West fan, and seeing guys like Gary Prickett turning up with their... He's they from come Palmwood's boy. Palmwood's boy. Yeah, right. Is he really? <laughs> he is, yeah. Seeing, seeing these guys come with from straight from work, having a pie and a can of Coke, they've arrived during the reserve grade game and then they'll, they'll go... Normie Carr, mate. Normie Carr. What well, a legend. <laughs> well, we captain the Queensland side that, that's before... before playing um, for Queensland, before. 69 kilos, playing lock forward, mate. I know, I know. <laughs> How did he, I, I, I could not believe how he how is one of the toughest was. blokes I've ever met. I tell you, yeah, you, you, you don't want to get on the drink with him. I tell you, oh really? <laughs> oh, he doesn't want to be. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, being a West, being a West boy, I just, I just idolised, you know, pre, obviously Tony Curry, but pre that, like, um, yeah, Wayne, you know, Wayne Carr, Jeff Richardson. I met Jeff Richardson. Yeah, Wayne was a good footballer too, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah. I was playing for West Kenmore, the mighty West Kenmore under twelve side, and um, you've probably heard about them. And, um, <laughs> and um, we're at training. I don't know we're training on Saturday afternoon, but I had my brand new football, and somebody had organised for Jeff Richardson to come down, to, uh, and there was to train. But there was also a photo opportunity. Somebody from the Telegraph. That's how old school it was. The Telegraph came, and because I had the football, I had a photo with Jeff Richardson. On the back page of the Telegraph, and I got Jeff Richardson to sign the ball, and then everyone took the piss out of me for six months because I wouldn't let anybody kick the football because it had the autograph on it. You know, remember the, the big brothers? Was it Tom and they used to play for him? Was it Bob and Tom? Or was it, Bob, what was this? Yeah. Bob Green, the Greens, the Greens. No, no, it? no. Me and Bobby Green. He's a great yeah. bloke. You wouldn't want to cross him in a, in a back by back. I tell you. <laughs> I actually, I just had a beer with all those blokes like last week. Oh, TC yeah, and yeah. Um, Bobby Green and who else was up there? Like Wayne, Wayne Carr, Normie Carr. Yeah. Living near West players. One of my mates yeah. like died early and played for West. So. so we sort of have a memorial day for him every year. Okay, who was that? John Armstrong. Right. He played for, he played for Roosters I remember as well. That, dad, 73, yeah. played for New South Wales and. Canterbury and yeah, but he yeah. ended up ended up at West and yeah. played with those guys. So new well, good guys end up. Yeah, but a good mate of mine, Adam Chapman. He Murray fellow, he played there when he was. I think he made his A grade debut when he was sixteen. Adam for West. Yeah, as I was talking to, I, I did actually bump into Tony Curry years ago and, and and bored him to death. But I was saying, talking about being a West boy <laughs> and the guy I played with at the West Mighty West Kenmore. Who was our best player by miles, and went on to play play A grade and, and played at a high level. And he and I, his name was Steve Weiss, and he was a brilliant yeah, player. And I found out yeah, he died him, early. Yeah. He died. Did you know him? Um, I know of him. Yeah. But no, yeah, West, yeah, he, 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 he died early. Of a TC actually, Tony actually started the Murray Carnival that we're part of now. He actually was it was actually yeah. his invention sort of thing, like copied probably copied off the Curry Knockout. Yeah, in Sydney, which is a massive event, and um, but TC started. Then Dad was the ambassador of the first one, and then when Dad passed away, it was like a natural progression just to sort of take take it over, sort of so to speak. Yep. And yeah, TC was a a great supporter of the Murray Carnivals and all that, and a lot of Indigenous football. Well, that that sort of uh, brings me neatly, uh, Brad, on to um, what's the what's next bit? What um, you know, so much. So much has been done 
in uh, in Fourier and, and in general um, for uh, you know the 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 removing racism from um, from footy and, and society, mm-hmm. uh, getting um, young boys and girls from the indigenous communities, um, giving them pathways into into footy and life. Uh, mm. So all, all that's great, and you know, big of me to say, guys like yourself have you know spent your life doing exactly that. Um, well, what's next? What 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 are the new things or different things that we can sort of look to um, to continue that good work? Oh, like I said before, my education is for me is the real key to, to continued success and growth for not only black people but white people, mate, and us as a country. So. But um, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, like I'll, I'll be still pushing rugby league as a vehicle, mate. And I'll give you a scoop. I think the T twenty five Queensland training strip will be in Arthur Beetson, around Arthur Beetson. So I don't know if I'm supposed to tell anyone, but I've told you. <laughs> you, can, you can tell us. <laughs> yeah, and luckily, my my cousin is actually doing it. Dad's niece, so she's actually designing it, Bianca. Uh, that's oh, that's wow. great. Pretty cool yeah. thing, you know. And she's actually got, I don't know if you've seen Suncorp lately, but all the, the boomerangs on one of the side, there's a sculpture with all the boomerangs. She, she designed that. It's on the side of Suncorp Stadium. No, I haven't. Well, I'll have to have a look. No, no, I suppose. Steve, like, you um, know, Steve, Steve we, in Dublin, you can Google it, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go and have a look. <laughs> well, we talk, you know, you go to Suncorp and, you know, obviously like it's, you know, it's a great thing for me and I've been very lucky to be able to go to Suncorp and you see, you walk up and you see your father's statue sitting out in front yeah. of the ground, you know, and people standing there getting photos around him and see you know, you got to pinch yourself, I suppose, and you know, something you're really proud of. So but you know, yeah, as a people, like hopefully our icons and indigenous people will keep being role models in rugby league and you know, hopefully, you know, keeps driving change and driving our mob to be better. You know, and trying to achieve and be their best version of themselves. So mm. I think you yeah you, yeah the whole education, Brad, I think you're right and I think it's it's and it works both ways. The more educated, um, the uh, the non-indigenous are. I think it, it goes a long way as much as as much as um, educating indigenous people. I think it's and you you, you feel like it's in the air. And we all yeah. hope that the voice would have been would have been would have gone the right way. Yeah. Um, but it's getting it's getting there. And as you said, and I was watching. I can't remember what I was watching the other night, but it was. Um, an indigenous leader saying the the positivity that yeah it's 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 it was thirty to forty percent said yes, and we yeah. know and we know the negativity and uh, that that still exists out there, but that's a that's a big plus and um and I think the work uh, the work that you're you're doing and I think this the work that you, your dad started and I think that um it's um uh, it's it's all it's all compounding and 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 building towards you know, a better, a better Australia and a better and a better life for for all of us. Yeah. You know, not just Indigenous people. You know, and I think we're pretty lucky. We live on. You know, people haven't travelled much, so they don't know how good Australia is. You know, it's a pretty good country. Yeah, you know, it is. We're pretty lucky to live here, and you know, and and like rugby league's a great great game, and we're we're all pretty lucky that we love it and we're part of it. You know. And, uh, yeah, I can assure you that from the. Uh, from sort of the European perspective, Australia gets a lot of um, gets a lot of airtime in that we talk about uh, cultural 
things that matter, you know, uh, like uh, indigenous affairs, like um, incorporating uh, first Australian culture into 21st century uh, culture. People, uh, you know, when I'm watching, I, I watch a lot of rugby now because I, I live in the rugby uh, country. I haven't abandoned my rugby league roots, but uh, I, I do love uh, rugby union as well. Um, well, to give you for this lapse. I can't, I can't watch it. That's just too bad. <laughs> Sorry. I used to play rugby union, mate, and I used to love watching it, but I just can't watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I still love it. And my, my young fella plays, so, uh, you know, I, I get involved. Um but there's there's always comment about Australia adopting um, a, a, a sort of a, 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 a more nuanced view that incorporates uh, first Australian uh, culture, and you know when it comes up in conversation, you know I have that sort of feeling of pride that we are a country that is at least trying to uh, to make changes, making overt changes as well as uh, cultural changes. Um, I have my young fella run around in the uh, the Australian um, rugby union shirt with the the indigenous um, uh, insignia all over it, and that's that's his favourite at the moment. So you know, I, I again I go back to you know footy or, or uh, you know in this case uh, rugby league is a grounded sport and uh, connects with the community, and you know I think it's a great thing that that we we seem to be going in the in the right direction. Um, and, and I hope we continue to. You know, it'd be a great thing to see this be driven through society. You know, if, there, if there's one thing I'd, I'd, you know, welcome is more incorporation of first Australian culture into into the game and into the wider community. I think we've we've come a long way, but we've still got a long way to go. I think. Like as yeah, a, as a bit, we're only a very young nation. Look, with our European, like obviously we're the oldest culture on earth. Indigenous mm. culture, but like as a as a country, as as Australia, I suppose, and we're only a young country. You know, mm. so we're still learning how to do, live with each other and respect each other, I suppose. So, you know, we're a very diverse community. Yes, well said, um, Jeff. Unless you've got anything else to cover, I've uh, I've exhausted no, my I'm list. And now, what? what, what no. Sorry, go on. No, 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 I just, I, I just on that last comment, I, I, it's, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that because we are obviously, um, we are, you know, they changed um, um, the the line in the national anthem because we are, you know, we are, we, we are not we are written, written by a Scotsman in eighteen eighty four, mate. Before that's yeah, right, we yeah, are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, you are part of the longest, uh, long, the longest living culture on earth. Yeah. Um, we came here. 200 years ago and, and didn't do a great job of, of things, then we're trying to correct that. And I, and hopefully I think rugby league is playing a far bigger part in that than just being a, being a sport. I think it's just, it's just, it just, it's just spreading out. It has been for years and it's, it's just it spreads out into the community and does such great stuff. And you, and you're doing, you're leading the way. Um, and so, yeah, we thank you for that, and we and and, and thanks for your time, and um, yeah, and it's it's been great having you, having you on the show. And um, I don't know if you heard the the episode where Steve did a Steve did a um, 
a tribute to your dad, but we're obviously big big fans of Artie and um yeah. and I and you're doing him proud. So thank you very much. It's been no, great. Mate, and obviously like I've got you know, obviously dad was a you know great leader and it makes me inspired, but I've got a lot of a lot of good people around me helping me, mate, and, and that's driven by their respect for dad as well. So, you know, um and it's not I don't wouldn't say it's driven by me, it's more so the relationship a lot of people have with dad and of course, um, yeah. My brother, my brothers, and all that were all, you know, very proud. The whole family is very proud of what Dad achieved. And um, like, yeah, we're a pretty good mob. Our, our speeches, we go all right, most of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, look, Brad, thank you very much. Uh, as Jeff said, it, it was uh, it was a real um, privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope we haven't bent your ear too much about your dad. No, but, that's all right. You know, uh, can't help but talk about are. him. We're, we're Queenslanders and we're footy fans, so how can we not? Um, I'm going down to Suncorp tomorrow. That's it. That's it. Good photo. Send it to me right next to this. Next yeah. to the... yeah. <laughs> no, it's stuff. been a pleasure, right. guys, and thanks a lot. Yeah, thank, thanks, Nice Brad. to talk to you. We'll be, thanks, we'll be back in contact. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.